0: Can you believe that we are in the last month of the year? It's remarkable how quickly this year has gone by. I was was talking to someone the other day, and uh, I told them, if the old saying, time flies and you're having fun, is true, I must be having a ball. Because this year has absolutely flown by. And 2016 has, has been a great year so far here at Ninth Avenue. A lot of good things have happened. We've seen a lot of encouraging things, a lot of very encouraging days And throughout this year, we have tried to keep our our theme for the year before our minds from time to time. We try not to preach every sermon to the theme or anything like that. But in 2016, our theme, of course, has been Strengthening Our Roots. We spent the first sermon of the year way back in January thinking about that picture found in Psalm 1 of the tree that's planted by waters, having its roots firmly planted because of the Word of God. And throughout the year, you remember the subtitle for our lesson, for our theme, excuse me, has been knowing God through His Word. We strengthen our roots because we want to know God. And the only way we know God fully, as fully as we can, as we prayed together a few moments ago, is through a knowledge of His Word. And so at various times throughout this year, we have emphasized that through some lessons on Bible basics, some first principles. We've also kind of used our our theme this year to, uh, to undergird some emphasis in our Bible school, especially for our elementary department. Uh, emphasis on our vacation Bible, school, and other things, using that context of knowing God through His Word as kind of the the background for some things that we have tried to do. But as we start to, to wind down 2016, we want to end up back in the very same book with which we began, but from a different psalm. We're not going to go back to Psalm 1, but for the next three Sundays, including today, we're going to be in the longest poem in the Bible, Psalm 119. And to answer your question, no, we are not going to study all of it. It's 176 verses long, but it's a 176 verse masterpiece. And we're going to use the knowledge of the fact that that poem has the same emphasis as our theme to simply select three sections of that poem to study this morning, next Sunday morning, and then, Lord willing, two weeks from today as well. How knowing the Word of God... Can draw us nearer to a knowledge of God and draw us nearer to His heart. Today, we're going to look at verses 9 through 16 and see how there is a walk involved in knowing God. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to go to verses 33 through 40 of this same poem, and then we're going to see that we must have a desire, a passion, if we're going to know God. And then finally, Lord willing, two weeks from today, on December the 18th, we're going to look at verses 57 through 64 and see the promise that we must make to God if we're going to know Him as well as we possibly can. So the walk, and then the desire, and then the promise. It may seem a little bit boring to talk about walking. After all, we live in a very fast-paced society. But the Bible very often uses the picture of walking as a way to describe our relationship with God and how to build that relationship just by way of one example, you may think of Genesis chapter 5, that chapter with all those so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-sos, and And Enoch found in that particular passage, we're told that he was one who walked with God, and how beautiful of a description that is. Did you know that at one time, walking was one of America's favorite spectator sports, In the late 1800s and early 1900s, it was known as pedestrianism, and I'm not making this up. People would walk for days at a time, and people would just lie in the streets to watch people walk for all this time. In fact, there was a British man named Robert Barclay Allardyce who became an international hero when he set out the challenge and he completed the challenge that he was going to walk one mile every hour, 24 hours a day, on the hour, for a thousand consecutive hours. That's about six weeks, by the way. And people came out to see him walk his one mile, every hour, for a thousand consecutive hours. And some of you may remember just a few months ago when the Olympics happened, that there's still sort of a a remnant of that even in the modern day Olympics, the summer Olympics, because you still have the event of race walking found in the modern Olympics, where people walk for 20 kilometers and one race of 50 kilometers. Before the Olympics happened in Rio de Janeiro this year, I was reading an article that described every event found in the Olympics and why you should watch them. And the very last one listed was the 50-kilometer walk. And the description actually said, don't watch it, read a book. That's, that's pretty good. That's, that's exactly it, right? Because walking does not seem all that exciting to us. And in the world in which we live, walking just seems so slow, so boring. But I want us to notice this morning that if we want to know God, there is a walk that is involved in us knowing God. In the passage we read together a few moments ago, beginning in verse 9 of Psalm 119, there are some things that are found there that may seem slow, they may seem kind of old-fashioned, and to our society they may seem a little bit boring. But if we want to know God, then there are things we must have in place. And you can find I'm certain more than these, but I want to notice five with you found sprinkled throughout these verses this morning. In the first place, if I want to know God and continue this walk, I must be one who is holding the line. I would suppose that verse 9 of Psalm 119 is one that's used with young people a whole lot since it specifically mentions a young person. Because there the poet said, how can a young man keep his way pure? And the answer is given by guarding it according to your word. Now keep that little phrase, the way, in the back of your mind just for a moment. We're going to bring it back up in just a couple of minutes. But but think about what's going on here. There is activity in this verse because we're guarding something. But it's not a, a forward attack. And to our society, a forward attack seems more exciting. Moving forward and attacking and taking those things with us and all those sorts of things. But instead, in this verse, we're, described, we're given a description of something that's a little bit slower, a little more laid back. We're just guarding something. And typically, when we guard something, we stay near to it. We don't go all over the place. But did you notice what we are guarding? It is a pure way. The King James Version uses the word cleanse. The word is one that literally means something that's translucent, something you can see through. And so it came to mean things that were pure or clean or cleansed. But, but how do we do that? I mean, we live in a world that is so very impure. No matter what we might think of the society around us, that has to be a description of the way our world works, an impure society. And if we're not careful, we can begin to drift into some of those things without even really realizing it. Because they are so very strong. And we're not as bad as that person over there or that group of people over there, so we are okay. But we're not given the option here of somewhat purity. We're only given the option of true purity. And I think verse 9 gives us two things to remember if we're going to hold that line and guard our heart. The first thing that's mentioned here is to start young or to start now. How can a young man guard his way, the verse says? Young people, at least in this way, have an advantage over those of us with some years on us. Because we have seen so many impure things that they continue to, to pile onto our mind and tempt us and begin to say, well, I'm not that bad. But young people at least can begin now to fight that and to have pure thoughts toward God. But those of us who aren't young anymore, we can begin now. We can continue to seek purity starting at this very moment. But of course, the second thing is very obviously found in this verse, and that is to spend time and seek the Word of God The poet said, "...by guarding it according to your word." If our hearts and if our minds are filled to the brim with Scripture, and if we are continually putting more and more of God's word in our heart, there's just not going to be room for impure things. In addition, when those impure things seek to threaten our minds, the word of God is there and helps us to push those things back to help us to know how to face various temptations and very, various trials. But we're stopping and pausing and we're reading the word of God and the world says, that's not exciting. That's boring. That's not exciting. You're just guarding something. Well, first of all, it is exciting because are, these are the very words of God. They're life-changing. They're eternity-changing when we let them sink in. But even beyond that, even if, what we, even if we look at this and we say it is a little slow at times, it can be a little boring at times, I need to be guarding my heart. I want to keep my way pure. I need to hold that line of purity by using the Word of God. That's how we walk and know Him. But also the poet says if we want to know God, the walk also simply includes staying on path. It's from verse 10 that we got the title for our lesson this morning, The Walk, because verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. Now by the way, I told you to keep that little phrase from verse 9, the way, in your mind. This is where it comes back up. I know verse 9 did not use the word heart. Verse 10 uses that word. But the way of verse 9 is found in the heart of man mentioned in verse 10. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so I think that's why you see two different words, one in verse 9, way, and one in verse 10, heart. But they're connected in so many ways. David specifically in verse 10 mentions the heart. And notice that, that David, who I believe to be the author of this poem, speaks of the whole heart. We cannot be pure if we're only partially pure, if only part of our heart is pure. It takes our whole heart. In reality, there is no such thing as partial purity. I've used this illustration before, but ivory soap freaks me out. And the reason is very simple. If it's 99 and 44 100% pure, what's the other 56 100%? It's impure. I don't want to put impurity on my body, do you? And so it freaks me out. I've used it, but it freaks me out to think of that. Because that's not pure. Pure is pure is pure. And David says, my whole heart needs to be pure. But do you also see something in this verse of human nature? David seeks God with his whole heart, but he also basically admits that he's going to need help staying on the path. But again, our world's going to look at that and say, well, that's just weak. That's just boring, just staying on one path and even admitting you need some help to stay on that path. That's not the American way. That's not the way we want to live, right? And in addition to that, it's a way that's filled with commandments. We know that about the Bible. To a lot of people, that just doesn't seem like a very exciting way to live, a very fun way to live. And that is until we examine the fruit, the outcome, of following the way of God and the outcome of following the way of the world. When we pause for a moment and consider the outcome, we will want to stay on that path that God has laid out for us. You know, it's easy to question God sometimes, to wonder why He would say this is wrong or this is right, and begin to, to try to figure out those things. But if David is the author of this poem, and again, I believe he is, don't you know that he understood why he would need to stay on the path of God? Don't you know he understood at times when he tried to follow his own path where it led and it was always to difficulty and even destruction. I want to say this to all of us, but I especially hope our young people will listen to this. You know, following the way of the world may seem exciting for a moment. It may seem good in the short term. But when you stop and pause and compare it to the outcome of following the way of God, you will understand that following the commandments of God, following the path of God, is always the best and the wiser way. Living a lifestyle, for example, of sexual purity, it may not seem all that exciting in the moment, but no one is going to tell you that living a promiscuous life is wiser than living a life of purity. It may not seem as much fun, but it's far wiser. Abstaining from alcohol may seem boring in the moment, but who would ever say that it's wiser and smarter to live a life tied to alcohol than it is A life tied to avoiding those things and keeping our bodies and minds clear and pure. Choosing truth is always preferred over choosing lying. Though lying may get us out of a short term problem, it's going to cause far more long term issues. And on and on we could go. But the point is simple. If we want to, to stop and think about the outcome of where things lead us, we will choose God's commands every single time, not just for the eternal benefit, although that's the ultimate benefit, but even for the earthly benefit because they're always wiser, God's commands are. And so, while the world says it's boring, we just simply ask God help, God's help to stay on the path. And then we also must walk with God by pausing to take stock One of the most well-known verses in this 176-verse psalm is found in verse 11. We're told, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The King James Version says that David hid the word of God in his heart. I I like that better. Because the word originally meant to hide something by covering it over. And then from that it became a word that meant to treasure something. Because you're, you're tying it up. You're holding it close to you. Some of you have treasures in your house that you keep maybe locked in a cabinet. And you understand this concept. It may be even a glass cabinet, but you're hiding it. You're putting it back and you're you're, you're locking a key. And you're throwing the key away, as it were. You know where it is, but no one else does. You're keeping that treasure safe. That's what David is saying about the Word of God. And we're saying this verse is teaching us that along our walk, we must pause and take stock because we must spend serious time in the Word of God. And the only way I'm going to do that is by opening the Word of God and honestly evaluating my life in light of the Scriptures. Am I following, am I really following what the Scriptures teach me in attitude, in word, in action? Or am I just reading it to check something off a list or to pass a few moments or just to to learn some fact? I want to know God. And to do that, I must seriously spend time in God's Word But there's also purity in this verse, isn't there? The reason David wants to store or treasure the word of God in his heart is not just so he can have a head full of knowledge. Instead, he says, that I might not sin against you. Purity is the goal yet again. I want to share with you a list I came across a few weeks ago as I was preparing this lesson. Sometimes people think, I don't need to concern myself with with memorizing Scripture. Some people say it's all about application. I, I would challenge that because I cannot apply what I don't know. I need to make sure I know the Word of God so I can apply the Word of God. But let me share this list I came across, and it's very brief. But it's ten reasons why every Christian should desire to memorize Scripture. Number one is because Jesus memorized Scripture. Do you realize about 180 times in His ministry, Jesus quoted directly from the Old Testament? And those quotations cover about 24 different books of the Old Testament. If we want to be like Jesus, we'll know the Word of God. Two, it's simply because we're commanded to do so. Colossians 3 and verse 16 tells us to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Something cannot dwell within you that's never put in you. And so we must memorize Scripture. Number three, because memorizing Scripture renews our minds and transforms our life. If we're being transformed by the renewal of our mind, Romans chapter 12, we need to renew that mind by filling it with the Word of God. Number four... Because memorizing Scripture helps us to face temptation. That's what this verse tells us. But isn't that also exactly what Jesus did? When he was tempted by the devil, each time he responded with, it is written. He knew the Scriptures to fight those temptations. Number five, we must memorize Scripture because memorizing Scripture helps keeps us keep us pure. We've already mentioned that from this psalm. Number six, memorizing Scripture helps us to be spiritually successful and spiritually prosperous. You think back to Psalm 1, the one who's like a tree planted firmly by the waters is the one who is meditating upon the Word of God. Number seven, memorizing Scripture helps us to more readily encourage other Christians. You have been somewhere in your life, I'm sure, where where a Christian just happened to know the right verse to say, the right passage to share that encouraged your soul. That doesn't come by accident. It comes because they are filling their mind with the Word of God. Number eight, memorizing Scripture helps us to share with unbelievers. Yes, we live in a time where we have a Bible in our pocket. I've got mine right here. Right? I can get any verse of the Bible in about four seconds if you, if you give me time to use my thumbs slower than any of the teenagers here. But I can find any verse you want in almost no time. But there's also something to be said for just knowing how to Share the gospel with someone from our minds. Number nine, memorizing Scripture will help us to understand God and understand His will. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us that we're to be transformed by renewing our mind so that we may be able to discern what the will of the Lord is. And then ten, memorizing Scripture makes us wise. We're speaking of godly wisdom. I want to live a wise life. And so I need to know the Word of God. But all of that is going to take simply pausing and taking stock each and every day. Am I really learning the Word of God? I'm not talking about memorizing every verse in 10 minutes. But am I regularly putting things in my mind from Scripture to know how to face the world, to be encouraged, to face temptation? The world says that's a waste of time. But if we want to know God, we will pause to take stock of our life in light of Scripture. Number four. The walk also includes learning, but learning so that we can teach others. One of the reasons we try to walk with God is so we can help others do the same thing. And so we're told in verses 12 and 13, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I will declare all the rules of your mouth. David is saying, I want to learn, and when I learn, I want to share. Our first and primary goal in life must always be to go to heaven, to make certain that when this life is over, heaven is our home. But following right on the coattails of that goal for, for our life should always be to help anyone else we can reach heaven as well, whether it's in our families, our friends, our neighborhoods, or just people we happen to run into in our lives. To that end, we don't just memorize Scripture to hide it in our heart, never to share it with anybody else. We memorize Scripture so it's at the ready to teach others. It's interesting that David writes, That he's going to declare all the rules from God. The King James Version has the word judgments there. The word can mean either thing because it's a word that simply means what is used to decide a case. That's what the word means. Now, Now think with me for a moment. I need to know the rules or the judgments, if you please, the boundaries of God for myself. I need to know what is right and what is wrong. And only through the Bible can I know those things. But folks, we also, each one of us who are Christians, also need to be willing to speak those same rules, to declare those same judgments, those same boundaries into the world, and we cannot be afraid to declare them. The world needs to know that God's boundary says lying is wrong. The world around us needs to know that marriage is not just a social construct, but that God appointed and created marriage, and he gets to set the boundaries of it. The world around us needs to know that that our bodies are not just to be taken care of so we can show off, but that our bodies are taken care of because they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so things like alcohol and tobacco and drugs, those things have no place in the life of a Christian because they are ruining the temple of the Holy Spirit. Am I willing to learn those things for myself? I should be, but I also should be willing and, and constantly declaring them to the world around let me hasten to say, we should share those things with as much love as we possibly can. We are not the authority figure, God is. But we also cannot cower in fear and avoid standing for what's right. If I may just simply put it bluntly, people around us will not go to heaven unless they follow the rules, the judgments, stay within the boundaries that God has set in place. And I want other people to go to heaven, don't you? And so part of our walk may not fit in with the politically correct world in which we live, but we to walk this walk and to know God includes we teach others as well. And then number five, the walk also includes stopping to think. This section of the poem ends with words about stopping. Look at verses 14 through 16. In the way of your testimony, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Our world, our society, does not put a premium on stopping and thinking. Or as David puts it here, meditating. We put a premium on on hurrying up and getting things done. But just stopping to think is boring to the world around us. And yet as followers of God, we understand we must stop at times and just think. May I remind you that Psalm 41 and verse 10 tells us, Be still, be still. And know that I am God? Could it possibly be that the the reason our society does not know God is very simply that we are never still? We don't stop and dwell and think and meditate on God. But when I do get still, when you do have a moment, do you ever take that time to fill your mind with the Word of God? Maybe it's first thing in the morning getting out of bed a few minutes early, or just making reading the Word of God or memorizing a verse from Scripture part of your morning routine to reflect on throughout the day. Maybe it's before you fall asleep at night. You, you can open your Bible and let, let Scripture fill your mind before you drift off to sleep. Maybe it's on your lunch break. When I, when I first started teaching school many years ago, This is when I did my daily Bible reading. I would grade some papers, eat my lunch, and then read a few verses from Scripture because that was a time I could be alone in my classroom and consider the ways of God. Maybe it's some other pocket of time that you can spend with God. But whenever it is, stop and think. What better way could there be than to spend time opening the Scriptures and letting your mind think about the God we're seeking to serve? I don't want to just know about God. Folks, I want to know God as much as I possibly can. But in our busy world, we just don't take the time and we don't think it's important to, to just walk. With all, with all the things going on around us, we feel like we have to hurry and rush all the time and so we can, so we can be productive. And this time of year, that seems to even be ramped up even more, right? Because of all the, all the shopping and all those things on top of everything else. But if we want to know God sometime in life, we're going to just have to slow down and walk. It may not look that exciting to the world around us, but it's going to mean so much to us throughout our life as we draw nearer to the Lord each day. At some point in our life, we're going to have to make the words of the beautiful hymn part of our everyday life. My God and I go in the field together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. We clasp our hands. Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadow's hue. He tells me of the years that went before me. When heavenly plans were made for me to be. When all was but a dream of dim conception. To come to earth. To come to life. Earth's verdant glory see. My God and I will go for A together. We'll walk and talk As good friends shouldn't do. This earth will pass and with it common trifles. But God and I will go unendingly. This earth will pass and with it common trifles. But God and I will go unendingly. In a world that puts so much emphasis on hurry, on rushing, I want to stop and just walk because I want to know God. After all, I want to spend eternity with Him, don't you? And if you want to spend eternity with Him, don't you think you need to know Him now? He is the one who sent His Son He's the one who loved you enough to send His own Son to die on the cross for you. When's the last time you paused and thought about that? He's the one who loves you enough to send you the Bible so that you can know about that walk, walking with Him. When's the last time you just stopped and thought about that? He's the one who's promised us, if we're faithful, that this glorious place we call heaven will be our home. When's the last time you just stopped and thought about that? You see, as the old song says, sometimes silence is golden. Because when we stop for a moment and we think about what God has done, what God continues to do, and what God has promised, we're going to want to walk and talk with Him every day. Are you a Christian? Or brother or sister in Christ, have you been off that walk, off that path, and you need to be encouraged to continue or to get back on the path if you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to begin that walk, we would love for you to do that this morning. Or as a Christian, if you've fallen off the path and you need encouragement to get back on the path, we would love nothing more than to pray with you and encourage you. Whatever your need is this morning, we invite you to walk down the aisle so that you can walk with God. Come while together we stand and while we sing.